Welcome back, and thank you for listening as No Junk Mail presents The Trip to Kansas City, read to you by James Vaughn Felt. It's getting warmer. That's what I tell my sister when she calls from Texas. My other sister lives in California. I know it's warmer there than in our town, but that's not a topic of our conversations. She's my little sister. Little, yeah, she's younger than I am. I was the one that had to follow her around and keep her out of trouble when she was a kid. It's getting warmer on average, but we still have cool nights. Everyone in our town is watching the weather in an anticipation of planting time. That's when we come to life with new dreams of a bumper crop. And of course, John Deere is running ads on TV back to back. They're showing off their new whiz-bang tractors that don't need an operator. Well, that's fine, but most of the farmers around here use old equipment that they can keep running by themselves. What the farmers are worried about is the cost of farming going up. Their bankers are worried, too. Everybody's talking about inflation, but they can't do much about it. Life goes on. Talking about life, Rodney's an old married man, almost three months now. I saw him on Facebook. He preached another sermon. He's getting better with every sermon, and he's really growing up and filling out. I can see that his wife, Amber, is fine-tuning his looks and putting some weight on him. I remember the skinny 12-year-old kid who moved to town after his dad had died. He's a man now. Over on Lincoln Street, Jim Wilson's daughter, Betty, and her three kids are visiting from Minneapolis this week. I think she came down to warm up a bit. It's a lot colder up there. Her husband is a bank examiner for the IRS. He travels a lot. Sometimes we get to see Betty and the kids when he's on a trip. He's working on a big case in New Jersey. The last time they were visiting, Maureen and Fred took the kids to Kansas City. That was just before Christmas. The purpose of the trip was to show the kids Kansas City and shop for Christmas gifts. On the second day there, they went to a Christmas performance of the Messiah at the Conservatory of Music. The kids said that was the highlight of the trip. Well other than the disappearance of Larry. You see, they were at the famous Crown Center Plaza, downtown Kansas City, when Larry disappeared. It was their last stop. The rest of the evening's plan was to go to a Christmas movie and turn in early. Nikki said she and Larry were in Legoland, checking out all the different displays. When she turned around, he was gone. At first, she wasn't alarmed. They've been in big stores. Back home, they have Mall of America. That's a much bigger place. So Nikki began strolling up and down the aisles of the store, looking at displays of Legos, as well as looking for Larry. She said she took her time, but when it was time to meet with others, she panicked. She started crying. A crowd gathered around her. 
The manager of the store was quickly involved. He called for Larry over a loudspeaker in the store. Larry did not appear. He was gone. Security was called. The store manager, security officer, and Nikki met Maureen, Fred, and Laura at the donut hut, the designated meeting spot. Security had already called in a missing child alert. Others were now involved in a mall-wide search. Fred said Maureen went bonkers at the sight of Nikki and the security officer. Then Nikki and Laura started crying. The whole bunch was ushered into a room, panicky, crying, and confused. Several security personnel appeared. The first thing they needed was a good picture of Larry, and they needed Maureen to calm down. Fred's phone had a picture of Larry at the concert. It was disseminated immediately. Kansas City police appeared. They interrogated Fred, Maureen, and Nikki. The questioning seemed endless and repetitive. Why were they there? Where were they staying? When did Nikki last see Larry? And on and on. Finally, it dawned on Fred, I've got to call Betty and Nate. Panic was spread from Kansas City to Iowa and then to New Jersey. I thought Larry's story was the best part. He said that he met Mark, a guy about his age in the Lego store. Mark had two coupons to try virtual reality on the stage just outside the store, but he was afraid to do it himself. Larry said a lot of the games are set up for two people to play against each other. He thought he'd be back right away. He didn't think of finding Nikki and telling her what he was doing. A virtual reality business and the game area were set up in the middle of the mall aisle, right in front of the Lego store. People walking by could see what was going on. Larry told me that virtual reality is the next thing in games. His friends back home talked about it, and he had seen advertisement. It's really, really cool, he said. The VR setup had a large sign and different colored lights moving around the stage. The stage area had three levels, and there was a fence around them so you couldn't fall off. Two girls dressed in futuristic costumes talked to people as they walked by. They were trying to get people to buy tickets. When Mark and Larry presented the coupon to the girls, they sent him to a man by the stage. The boys had a hard time to start with. Virgil, the operator, wanted them to pay for their games before they started. Neither one of the boys had enough money, but they showed him the coupons. He was reluctant to allow them to begin, but he did. They were outfitted with costumes put over their clothes. Mark was Darth Vader, dressed in black. Larry was all in white, and he had a cape. They were both given lightsabers. Then they were led on the stage, and Virgil placed the VR helmets on them. Virgil, with a microphone in hand, had a whole spiel before the boys began the VR game. He had lights going on and off to get attention, and he announced that Mark and Larry were going to start a game. A few people stopped to see what was going on. The game began. 
The music came up and seemed to choreograph the action. At first, Larry said, me and Mark saw that we were in a futuristic place. Music was all around us. We could see each other. We could use the lightsabers. It was so real. Mark took a swing at me, and I jumped out of the way and tried to get him. We were jumping all over the place, having a sword fight. It seemed as if the music was keeping up with us. We were having a ball. It was exciting. People gathered around to watch. Virgil started to sell tickets. Because the boys were drawing so many customers, he let them continue. When the game ended, he started their game again. Then he started a new one. The boys were drawing in paying customers. Virgil had a good thing going, and the boys ate it up. Game after game, they gave it their all and enjoyed every minute. But finally, it was time to close them all. Virgil sat the boys down, paid them each a $10 bill, and asked if they could come the following evening. The stores around them were closing and some of the lights were turned off. Larry was confused. Coming off of VR and back to real life is dizzying, he said. Then suddenly, Larry remembered. Nicky, the Lego store, the family trip. He ran across the aisle to the store and hammered on the door. It was locked. A clerk came to the door, but he didn't know what to say. Then he remembered the meeting place. Taking off like a flash, Larry raced down the stairs to the first level, around a corner, down two more blocks of stores to the donut hut. It was closed, but there were still customers in the store. When he rushed in, one of the employees recognized Larry. Larry's first words were, Mom's gonna kill me. Well, she didn't. Of course, everyone was relieved that Larry was okay, but there was a price to be paid. Larry was grounded, but he had a fantastic story to tell his friends when he got home. Well, that's it for now. From where the corn grows tall and pigs fly. Take care. All my love. Grandpa Jim. <laughs>